This is the Grow Your Clinic podcast from Clinic Mastery. We help progressive health professionals to lead inspired teams, transform client experiences, and build clinics for good. Now, it's time to grow your clinic. Welcome back to another episode of the Grow Your Clinic podcast. My name is Jack O'Brien, your host. Super excited to be with you again today for another episode. And we have another a guest or two guests joining us today who I can't wait to get into their story. Shane and Angie Saunders from Breathe Me. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thanks, Jack. Thank you. Awesome. Great. Super. Well, uh, we're going to get into their story a little bit and how breathing can help us as allied health clinic owners to perform at our best and to continue to provide amazing experiences for our clients. Breathing is uh, is the untapped superpower, if you ask me, and certainly if you ask these guys. We'll link it all up at the end, but right now, if, if people are just listening to the first couple of minutes, how can they find you guys? Where can they go? So breatheme.com is the easiest way to find us. And from there, you can branch off to where you'd like. Yep. And also look up our profiles on LinkedIn. Mm. LinkedIn's a good, a good place to great find. Place. Um, yeah, we've got some really good content and stuff on LinkedIn. So that's another great place to find us. Love it. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of Breathe Me shortly, but I've got a couple of icebreaker questions for you to kick off. You ready to go? Yep. yep. All right. Number one, what are you reading right now? You want to go first? No. <laughs> well, I, the only reason why I say no is because, oh man, like my girls love me reading to them. So like I'm reading Clara the Butterfly Fairy at the moment. So it's not uh, even interesting. We'll go into that Shane's game. We're, we're going we're gonna to take a wide detour on this yes. question, Jack. I, I um, a, Apart from what I do in my daytime, I am a closet economist. I love economics and finance. So I'm currently reading Boom Bust 2010. And what it, it's a book about how, how land affects the boom bust cycles and how land has kind of been left out, the, out of the economics textbooks. And it's this thing that kind of keeps repeating these cycles and dude it is such an interesting thing when you look at it like um how it how it affects where you know business and all of their revenue goes into the rents and how ground rents are really the thing that's kind of keeping a lid on small business when i say keeping a lid it's almost ruining businesses so i'll just throw that out there i hope that people look into that but it's, it's, it's super interesting. I just have to say, I, I'm like, I'm fascinated by that stuff. So that's what I'm I'll reading. I'll preface it by he's fascinated by cycles. He's fascinated by understanding when they are and what's coming up and how to plan for And it. how to predict them. And yes. how to predict them. So, so he, and this is probably closet ec- economic book number like 22, I would have to say. <laughs> and, and it does. And to, to, to link that in, it is related to breathing because mm. breathing is a cycle in your body. It's six and and it's you know it's a cyclical thing that happens inside and then we time with circadian rhythm outside so they it is kind of linked in there that's awesome that's awesome we'll uh, <laughs> link that up in the show notes i uh, this year for me has been a year of reading different fringe peripheral stuff so that probably fits in the category for me i might, uh, yeah. I might you, you want to some fringe books shane can recommend <laughs> a lot <laughs> We can talk about reading all day. Uh, number two, who inspires you? Mm. Do you know, I have to say my children inspire me. My, my children, um, you know, look, we'll get into this later on. I had a military career. Um, you know, I've served in the Middle East in active duty and raising my children has been far more of a challenge than ever going to into active conflict 
or anything. And, and those two little humans have taught me so much about myself and have given me the platform to, to actually lift my standards and, and raise my awareness around, you know, things like keeping my word and <laughs> stuff like that. So they, they, are, they are true inspiration to me. I love it. I would, probably, I would probably have to say it, it is the same. I mean, really everything that we do is is for each other and for them yeah. and for the impact that we make on the planet. I I actually find that, you know, Shane and I, it's been a very long time since we've woken up and gone, oh, I have to wake up, you know, because we wake up and we are so inspired on what we're doing on the planet. And I think this business is what, for me, at my core, truly inspires what I do each day and helps me to be accountable to myself because how am I to help others if I don't do, you know, eat my own cooking, so to speak. So love it. So good. Number three, what did you want to be growing up? I'm assuming it wasn't a breathing coach. <laughs> no, I actually, gonna, we got a LinkedIn uh, post about yes, that. We did, I did a, uh, we, we did a LinkedIn post on that. I actually said that when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a pediatrician because I wanted to help children. Okay. And I don't actually feel like I'm very far off the mark. And the reason why I didn't go down pediatrics is because it was going to take too long to learn how to do it. And I didn't right. want to take the time. Man, <laughs> so, I wanted to be an Air Force pilot. And so, and so, I, did, and so I did, I did eventually join the military. I just didn't, didn't join as, the, uh, as an Air Force pilot. And that's, uh, I, I think that if I look back on it now, I think it's the, I, I wanted to do something that was at the pinnacle of something, you know, like, I think it's also a drive for knowledge. It's a drive for, for understanding how things work and, and the processes. And I think that that, you know, made me look at what are the pinnacles in those certain areas. And, and you know, of course, in my military career going into special forces, that was a pinnacle thing. So, you know, there's there's a couple mm. of, there's some correlations. Yeah, I've always had a helping mentality. So, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm helping children of all ages at the moment. <laughs> 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 That'll really resonate with the, uh, the speeches and the OTs. Uh, so many health professionals work with kids. So uh, there's yeah. definitely a resonance there. I love it. Finally, what's a motto that you live by? It's not in the words, it's in the practice. In the practice. Uh, <laughs> and mine is just have a play with it. Like have, have fun, you know, because I think for me, it's like, you know, angels fly because they take themselves lightly. And the idea is sometimes we just need to lighten up and play a little bit more. Love it. Unreal. Okay. So join the dots for us. We, you now have Breathe Me and work as high performance breathing coaches, wanted to be pediatricians at one stage and, uh, and pilots. Join the dots. How did you end up where you are now? Yeah. Good, good, mm. good question. I veered off completely and went into the entertainment business. <laughs> and I, I worked in Hollywood for many years and and I, I, I hit some five minutes of fame and got on some the Puttigat Doll show. I was singing for yeah, Man, the Grammy. Top, so top 50 like in I, the US. Like, I, that's a pretty good, I, I, a pretty I, good I, feat. I got there. I got there. But it was uh, it was anxiety that took me out. I was going to do my solo for, for the Puttigat Doll show. And my anxiety took over and I completely went off on my timing. Then when I, moved, I met Shane, I was like, maybe maybe I need to get out of Hollywood. And I wanted to get out and explore and travel. And I met Shane, thank goodness. Yeah, and he, you moved. Yes, I moved. I only knew him six months and I sold everything. No, and she, I but she moved Australia. from Hollywood to Frankston. I moved from Hollywood to Frankston. <laughs> Frankston, Victoria. If anyone yeah, knows it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was the best move I ever made. I realized that I, you know, I was in the entertainment business for the wrong reasons. It wasn't my true calling. It was an ego calling. And um, when, when I married Shane, had babies, 
Um, I went through a very uh, rough, a very rough patch uh, through postnatal depression, trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life. It was a complete start over. Probably right now, there's lots of people that can identify with a complete cool. reset. And um, I had to figure out what I wanted to do. And I, I, I didn't know, but Shane wanted to help me. And so he knew I wasn't doing well in my own mental health, in my own, I was working out because I had to, because Shane said it's going to help. But I still felt sad. I even went to go, you know, uh, studied NLP, became a master practitioner, you know, studied all these, I spent like probably about 15 years in self-development and education and, and still felt like in my mind, cognitively, I knew where to go but I didn't feel it in my body. And it wasn't until Shane and I started diving deep into this breathing stuff that I realized it was like I committed to a practice. There was this moment right after baby number two, I was highly fatigued because she was teething. I was like sleeping two to three hours at a time. And I was just, I was grumpy. I was yelling at the children and they were like three, you know, like I was just really reactive. Mm -hmm. And Shane was like, just, I'll hold the space for you. You go and you commit to doing something for yourself. So I committed to a breathing practice. And it was profound. I noticed after the first month of committing to a practice, all of a sudden, it was like my body forgot to react. And it was like, you know, the girls would do something that would normally have me be angry or upset. Or Shane would say something like, hey, what did you do today? I'm like, oh, what did you do today? You know, like. Still happens. Yeah. (laughs) Not the reactivity. We do have the accountability, but without the reactivity. (laughs) And, um. And, and and for me, it was just like, I felt like I was starting to get my life back. Like, I felt like I got my head out of the clouds. I was feeling more clear and more focused and less reactive. And that was a game changer for me right. because I felt like I was not who I knew myself to be. So then I said to Shane, I said, you know what, with or without you, I'm committing to doing something about this. So in 2015, we wrote a book. Wim Hof wrote a forward in our book we pu- that we published and... Oh, that was 2016. Mm-hmm. And then we thought, you know, it was a habit thing, but then it just, everything kept coming back to the breath. No matter, we tried to branch out somewhere else and somewhere else, but it was just like everything always brought us back to breathing. And I'm sure Shane will explain a little mm-hmm. bit more why. Yeah. So where, where I come from, I joined the military early in, in life. I got come out of school. I didn't complete year 11, joined uh, the military. I joined right when it was kind of like the last time they were taking someone at 16 and nine months. Right. right. Like it was, it was like the, the, you know, before they raised the, the, the age to 18. So I got in on, on that. So I was deployed in Asia on a warship before I was 18. So I got kind of got like a head start on, on that, you know, I grew up very quickly in there. You know, I, I wasn't a great fit in the military, <laughs> you know, knowing now, looking at my personality and my makeup now, I understand why, you know, uh, I wanted to innovate things. I, I always thought, well, there could be a better way to do things. Whereas, you know, the military is very much, this is how it's always been done. This is the way we'll do it. And, you know, there's a lot of mindless kind of stuff. And I guess looking back now, the reason I did join is because I needed that discipline bit. Like I didn't have the discipline bit. So I almost forced my own type of rite of passage by putting myself into the military Mm -hmm. but while in the military you know i wanted to i wanted to head to the pinnacle of things so i made my way to a specialist category which was physical training Mm -hmm. in there um which is you know you have to be selected then you have to go through a selection process and and all of that so it was it was a build-up pinnacle and then after that 
I was like, well, what's the next pinnacle? And the next pinnacle was special forces. So I made my way through through that pinnacle. I got attached to the dive teams as a physical trainer and then, uh, you know, being exposed and around those guys, I then got a chance to get on the special forces course myself. And as I said before, I went all the way through, got through to reinforcement training and then sort of was like, do I want to be a professional soldier or not? I'd already been deployed in the Middle East during Operation Falconer you know, in 2002, 2003. So I'd already seen live, live action to a degree. And yeah, like at that stage, I'd kind of reached where I was and I was like, well, what do I do now? And getting out of the military, I was like, well, what am I going to do now? And so I started my own business. And the interesting thing, if I look back on it, and, and I've had I've had conversations with, with transition experts in the military since then, mm-hmm. a lot of people who come out of the military don't start their own business you know, because they're, they're very institutionalized. And so I think what didn't work for me in the military really worked for me when I got out. Right. And so, you know, I had this slingshot into business. I built up a personal training business, you know, took that to well over a hundred grand, you know, in, in a personal training business, which, you know, if you're a single operator in a personal training world, it's like, you know, you're doing well when you're, when you're in that. And of course, you know, I had a lot of skill sets that that I bought out, a lot of functional training skill sets. You know, the experience of training somebody for combat versus training a professional athlete, there's a, there's a nuance to it. There's a different type of thing that happens, you know, like training for survival, training for, you know, being cold, wet and hungry. These sorts of things are more of a mental nature than they are of a physical nature. And so... You know, I started to get really interested in how does the mind affect the body, especially when it comes to performance. And this is where I started getting getting interested in, okay, well, if mindset has got a big part to do with it, and I'd always been really involved with psychology, always loved talking to people and understanding. And I have this very innate kind of skill or part of my personality where I really... I see motivations in people. I see motives in people. Like it's very easy for me to, to, to see that. And, you know, it's a, in, you know, in a coaching um, aspect, it can perturb people a lot. It can really stir people up. Right. If you do it with grace and, and you have the right intention, well, then it, it allows people to move forward. So, you know, where this led me pretty much the same as what Angie mentioned before is that there's a lot of stuff that you can do around talking and thinking. And then there's this whole piece around the body, about around the wisdom that's in the body and around how the body and, and the mind function together. And the, I guess, the, the aspect of the fact that your physiology has its own, it has its own learning system. It, it, you know, like I always give the analogy of if you throw a ball at someone, you don't think to put your hand up and catch it. Your body just does it, uh-huh. right? Because it's a learnt thing. And if you go through life and you don't, you don't ever bring that wisdom into conscious awareness around the magic that your body can produce and what it can do, then you're kind of leaving a little bit on the table when it comes to performance, Mm. you know, and, and I guess what's threaded through all of that is the breathing. The breathing is kind of this bridge that's between those. And so, yeah, there's a whole lot of richness that comes with uh, with understanding your own breathing. It's unique to you, but then also understanding how does your breathing play out when, when it comes to your body. That's fascinating. It's uh, such unique and interesting journeys to, to lead us to where we are now. So what do you do? Like, what is Breathe Me and, uh, and how, how does that play out? How do you help people? 
Yeah. Uh, Great question. You'll get two different answers. <laughs> so I'll let Angie answer. Here's, here's who we, we look after and who we, we're kind of, we, we serve. We are serving business owners, entrepreneurial leaders, and people who are leaders in their own right, whether they're leading their family or leading, you know, their own children or whatever it is, if you're a leader, it's to lower their reactivity so that those reactions that they have don't jeopardize their relationships or their business decisions or things like that. I mean, it's so easy these days for you to be at such a high level of stress that you react and say something that you just wish you didn't say to your team members in a business meeting, in a negotiation that just completely ruins a deal or ruins a relationship. And so if I was to be really specific, it is really about that piece of helping people to lower reactivity and bringing to their awareness that breathing is low hanging fruit when it comes to success in in whatever you're doing like it's tied in everywhere because it has such a profound effect on your behavior and how you show up and the if you put that in a whole blanket or a whole overarching thing it's about presence it's about how you show up matters and your breathing will give you will help you show up so that people feel your presence and they can feel your intention and things like that and yeah that's so that kind of encapsulates it for me. Mm, that was very good. <laughs> I was thinking lower reactivity and increased deep awareness. And yeah, you got it. And for look, for me, I use it as a coping mechanism. So say, for instance, if, my, if our children are throwing tantrums, I can use my breath to calm the reactivity so I can hold space for them to get the energy out. And then once they've calmed down, then we can talk about it and work through it together and we can all learn lessons together. So that was a, it was a huge turning point for me. Mm, That's interesting. So I'm curious, how can business owners use breathing to help them with their performance as leaders? Mm, Yeah. So like we, we have a look at this, like how many people wake up tired? Mm, probably most right yes and how many times like in the afternoon after lunch you feel tired just reach for a coffee yes yes precisely so and we all think that this is normal and i'm going to challenge that it's not normal i'm going to challenge that 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 is just something that you think that you have to just live with but it's not because when you can use your breathing instead of just for survival you use it to your advantage to be able to manage your own battery life we say you know we're more concerned about the battery of our phone than we are of our own personal bodies mm, wow. so if we have a quick way to use our breathing mechanism as little as like 5 seconds or 30 seconds to recharge and be on point there's been times where i'm like you know after lunch i've got so much to do and i feel that slump and i know exactly how i need to breathe to shift that so i can stay focused and clear on what I'm doing and complete strong for the day. For me, like apart from what I already said about, you know, what what we do for business leaders, you know, with lowering their reactivity, I think another really useful or thing that's just so practical around your breathing is that once you understand that you have dysfunctions perhaps in your breathing and that they flow onto your behavior, that this altering, you know, your breath alters your body chemistry, your body chemistry being altered will affect your behaviors and how you show up and even personality traits that you have. Things like brain fog, things like irritability, you know, things like poor decision making or decision making fatigue, you know, which whether people out there know it or not, and you're, you're the guys that you service and, and that, are, that are listening, people that are listening to this, you know, the more decisions you have to make throughout the day, 
the more you're just like, oh, I feel like I've got so much to do. Mm-hmm. Right? And, <laughs> and a lot of those decisions, a lot of the things that people that think that appear to decisions from them very much could be just disruptions in their body and in their body chemistry. And so we have this, I guess, if we break down what we do, Angie and I look at breathing and how it affects the central nervous system for a start. If you're getting red alert signals being sent from the body to the brain all day long, you're going to have brain fog. You're going to think you have more on your plate than you actually do. You're going to you're going to be overreacting. The second part of what we look at is how breathing affects your immune system. Mm-hmm. Now, your immune system, again, tied into behavior, tied into over health tied into all these things so when we look at how the breathing bridges all of these areas and affects behaviors your behaviors will get you a result and for me that is the main thing if you're producing results in the world that are substandard to you your breathing is one of the first places that i would go to look because even though it probably doesn't make sense to somebody to do that initially I can talk all day long and I can show them d- directly how that is so. Like, you know, like, I mean, we've done podcast episodes and talks on how breathing affects your finances, your, right. your decisions around money, right. like your decisions in, you know, your decisions with relationships, all these things. So, you know, that's how it can direct. And, you know, there's a host of other things that come into it. But uh, if I was to say what would give someone the most bang for buck, it would be around that. It would be understanding that it really does go towards how you show up and how you relate to other people. Mm. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I think that's been my experience for listeners. Full disclosure, I'm, I'm a client of Breathe Man. Absolutely love it. I want to pull on the brain fog thread a little bit there if we can. Listeners, I know that we're all allied health professionals and uh, I love that Shane and Angie come from a, a strong scientific background. Shane, you're studying something in the breathing sciences, yep. right? Yep, totally. Yeah, studying at the moment to be a breathing behavioral analyst. Mm. And it's a, it's, a, it's a combination of obviously behavioral psychology and respiratory science. And they've been molded together, you know, to understand how the the interplay between breathing mechanics and breathing chemistry and then how that affects blood ph and overall behavior in in the breathing i love it it's uh it really resonates and um i I know for health professionals there's often an empathy fatigue we we get into this to care for people but yet we end up pouring so much out that our cup isn't full enough to help and so that fatigue is really there the the decision making of being a clinic owner so many clinic owners get into this gig by accident or they stumble across it they're health professionals by nature but end up being business owners sometimes just by default and so i've found that breathing for me has helped to like i said lower my reactivity but also to help me be sharper and where i was once now i'm a self-professed coffee snob and love boutique coffee filter coffee but i'm finding i'm not reaching for that for the caffeine hit now so much as uh, just a moment to enjoy so i've found that breathing can, can really lift my energy as well as help me sleep better can you maybe speak to how how breathing can help you be sharper and then the sleep piece as well yeah, totally. Um, this is a great question, Jack, and I'll bring this right down to to the cellular and, and body chemistry here. So what I was surprised to know, because I didn't know this, is that CO2 is such an important, has played such an important factor in your body. Now, everyone usually thinks CO2 is just the thing you exhale and, you know, people might know a little bit about that it it regulates the, the, the blood and the hemoglobin in some way. But I didn't know that it, you know, it's directly involved in regulating blood sugar. 
you know, and, and it's directly involved in regulating cortisol in the body. It's, it's directly involved in, in the transport of oxygen out of the blood. So we obviously we get perfusion in the lungs first and then it goes into the blood and then it's got to get out of the blood into the tissue. So there's these, these little exchange mechanisms and CO2 is the like the key to all of this it's um you know while oxygen is delivering the energy right mm -hmm. like we kind of know that and we require the oxygen and the oxygen gets to the mitochondria because we have respiration in our cells via the mitochondria right so we have this respiration that happens in the cells we have respiration that happens in our lungs so there's all these different little points at which it's happening but how this works is that when your co2 balance is off and the most common I guess condition is called hypercapnia and and all that really means is that you're overventilating co2 now one of the symptomatic things of doing that is that we get vasorestriction in vessels all over the body so we get pain we get headaches we get you know not good delivery of blood and glucose to the brain mm -hmm. so when we talk about this brain fog issue if you look at symptomatically this is what it is it's not effective flow through the body and when the co2 is not present in the right amounts you're going to get massive amount of tension all through the body right. like you know and and even at the vascular level so you know you, you're getting this constriction and this choking of the body in a sense you know we, we used to joke and say to crowds you know if your cells are suffocating is it any wonder you feel suffocated Right. You know, right. like, you know, and so, you know, if you're in the professions like the guys that you've got the allied health and you have people present to you, it pays to, I believe it pays to understand a little bit about breathing and it pays to understand a little bit about this, this, what hypercapnia is and, and also how it plays out and the whole host of symptoms mm -hmm. that you will probably see mm -hmm. that mimic and exacerbate pre-existing conditions mm -hmm. so you know and and so i think it's a it, it's it's you know when i when i started studying it i was like oh man i'm like this is going to answer so many questions for so many people like in allied health in medical you know and i think that like anything it's just taken time like dude all the research i'm looking at of this stuff it's all from the 70s right you know like it's it's been around for a while i think the the main issue has been is that it's small little sections of breathing in so many different, you know, like it's, you know, there's stuff coming from pediatrics, there's stuff coming from, from lung and respiratory, but there's stuff coming from psychology and psychotherapy, but no one's kind of bought it all together. And I feel that very soon it will be its own kind of class of thing. And it's an, a, it's an applied science, right? It's a thing where, you don't have patience, you have a client and you, you empower somebody to mm -hmm. notice their own behaviors that are in their breathing that will then affect their body chemistry. So they're self correcting themselves. So, um, I forgot the question. I hope I, I hope I, I, I was going hypercapnic while I was getting in. <laughs> Well, Angie, uh, for, for those uh, who may not see the video or the photos, uh, you guys are wearing your blue light blocking glasses. You and I share a similar strap. You talk to us about breathing and, and sleep and some, you know, those sleep hacking is probably what it's known as, but how does breathing play a role in sleep and recovery? 
Yeah. Well, quite often I find, I feel that like after doing so much, you know, CEO, running your own business, running my own business. And it's like, you know, never run my business like this ever before. So there's a lot of like uncertainty there and then balance between self and others and family and partnership and that sort of thing. By the end of the day, quite often there is so much in my head that it is very difficult to relax and fall asleep. And quite often I would find myself fatigued at the end of the day or even wake up in the middle of the night feeling fatigued and taking a couple of hours to relax and go to sleep. So for me, this has been like the fastest way to be able to let go of any sort of, the best way that I can explain it is energy that I'm carrying. So mm -hmm. like what Shane said, tension for me, I call it energy and also in my head trying to work things out. So when I start doing some breathing and movement, it takes me out of my head and into my body. Mm -hmm. And as I connect back in with my body, I then get my breathing right. And it helps to re bring relaxation into my body. So that way it's like, instead of like these days, it's like, you know, many years ago, well, back in 2016, I had a huge realization that I was using a glass of wine as my formula for relaxation. Right. And I, I think that that's kind of like the status quo these days is like most people don't have a formula for relaxation. So they'll reach for something exterior from them to do this. Mm -hmm. So for me, this is like my new glass of wine. It's like I can use breathing in a way that has me feel like I have just had a huge, you know, relaxation, you know, glass of wine or something like that, but it's natural and it doesn't give me headaches in the morning. <laughs> and it does allow me to let go of what's happened for the day and be able to have a peaceful, restful sleep. You, you've mentioned a couple of things there. It's, it's almost like we, as business owners and kids and that sort of stuff, we, we spend so much time in a sympathetic state, <laughs> high cortisol, high adrenaline, high stress. We've got to find a way to get down into that parasympathetic rest and digest and as much as alcohol sometimes seems like or feels like it's right, it doesn't help, right? Yeah. As the other way, but breathing has, has been huge. And I, I love that you guys bring such a scientific perspective to this. We can track and measure mm. all these sorts of things, right? So yeah. I'm interested, I'd be curious, what have you noticed in the shift from using a glass of wine to wind down to now mm -hmm. using breathing? And, and is there any measurables around that? Uh, yeah. yeah. I had two glasses of wine last week. And I, my sleep score just completely dropped and I had like a 67 because it does disturb sleep. And especially if you feel like that, you know, your body's trying to detox while you're sleeping, it goes through its sleep cycles. And if it's got extra things that it has to detox, it disrupts sleep. And I, you know, I noticed that I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, I should know better, right? <laughs> Even just two glasses, but that's how sensitive I am now because I don't have very much these days. So by tracking the metrics has been extraordinary because I've been able to notice when, you know, you wake up and it says what your recovery score is. So it's like, okay, so I know not to push my body too hard. So, you know, quite often just, I still get oxygenation. I still track my steps, you know, I'm still checking to make sure I'm getting those rhythms right. And it does affect how I sleep. It affects the REM sleep. It affects how deep I sleep or how late I sleep. And then of course there's children in case, you know, sometimes they'll come and interrupt it in the middle of the night. Where you mentioned, um, you know, us wearing blue blockers. And I think for me, it comes down to all the 1% things that you are willing to do. Mm -hmm. And also there's a very big psychological difference from drinking, you know, like we're, let, let's, I don't want to pick on the, the wine thing mm. um, too much, but let, let's just put it into context. There's a big psychological difference from drinking something to get into a state versus 
doing a couple of one or two percent things like mm. wearing blue blocking glasses, you know, not having artificial lights on mm. or, or having low lights or more red lights on it on at night and doing some kind of relaxation technique, whether it's breathing a movement or a combination of the two, there's a big difference in those things as a, as a habit, right? Like it's not to say that you can't enjoy a drink socially with your friends or anything like that. But as Angie pointed out, you know, there's this zone in the evening that if it's not used for you preparing yourself for sleep, you Mm -hmm. know, and let's face it, Jack, like why would you not prepare yourself Mm -hmm. for a good night's sleep instead of just taking it for granted that you're just going to hit the pillow and then expect that your brain's going to switch off straight away, which, you know, as we know, like we've got clients, but most people it doesn't, you Mm -hmm. know, it keeps rattling around and things like that. So I think that these are the 1% things that when you do them, they add up to you then like we were just, we only just mentioned this this morning or it might've been yesterday morning. I said to Angie, now I cannot remember a time when I woke up tired. Mm -hmm. Like we get up between 4.45 and 5.20. If we have an alarm on, sometimes we don't, but we've been getting, averaging getting up around that 5am or just before point, dude, and I don't feel tired when I get out of bed. I'm getting out, we're getting up, we're getting into our morning stuff. You know, Angie and I will do some breathing or some meditation and we go out for a walk or a run. But it's literally, it just dawned on me that I have not had a time that I can remember now where I've woken up and felt tired. Mm. And it is, it's mind-blowing mm. when it comes to that. And it's taken 12 years for me to get to this point. And it didn't have to. Uh, we did this whole research paper and we published it in a, in a product that we have called Eight Superhuman Habits, where we went through eight superhuman habits that how it can uh, supercharge productivity, performance, and sleep. And we linked it to all these science papers. And then we tried it out ourselves. And not only did it make a difference for us, but for our children, because there mm. was a point in time where I was like Shane I just want to get a babysitter in to put them to sleep because I can't handle it anymore Mm. because the robustness in the nighttime but when we started implementing these simple that's a good word simple little things they are very robust oh man there are our children that is for sure (laughs) so 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 by by doing the and really it's a it's science around supporting the mitochondria let's face it it's what gives us energy so how can we support mitochondria so that it has us feel we are at the top of our game i love it i mean we could talk for hours on sleep (laughs) you know I've completely done 360, right? Just back six, 12 months ago, I was, you know, sleep when you're dead. I, I, I'm a high performer on four or five hours and I've been doing that for a decade, right? And I, and I thought I was good. I, I felt like I was functioning well, but you don't know uh, how much you're struggling until you unlock those next levels. And it's interesting, Shane, you mentioned that uh, I think this language would resonate with health professionals, the having a glass of wine or the regular just jumping on a screen and, and mm-hmm. going into zombie mode. They're quite passive or external cues for sleep. And I've found as I've been more active and deliberate in my breathing and sleep hygiene type stuff, it, it's, it's more active and it's more internally driven. And the outcomes have been, uh, yeah, been exponential. So one final question, I'm, I'm really curious. You mentioned the one percenters and it's not in the words in the practice. Why do business owners struggle to find those one percenters, the active, the internal drivers? What holds people back? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question, Jack. Um, mm. I, like my opinion on this is that 
when people's breathing is off and they're, they're in a dysfunctional state and they're not breathing properly and you have this hypercapnic um, issue happening, it loads your brain with more, like, you know, we mentioned before about the red alerts. I think that people just think they don't have the space to add anything in. Right. And, and, you know, dude, dude, mm-hmm. like I'll give you an example. Like every client that we have is running a business and, and the one-to-one clients I have, they're running businesses between 3 million and 30 million. And there is no difference between those people in what I call like their head being full. Like it, it doesn't matter whether they're running a, a business that's only at three or a business that's at 30 or even, you know, even someone who's not doing that when your body is not in sync, like when your breathing's not in sync, when you are not taking care of what you just said, like the, the sleep, things like that, there's no space. So when you come to someone and you say, oh, hey, if you do this habit or you do that, and I learned, I had to learn this the hard way. Right. It's talking to people about what they don't have to do. And here's why breathing is such a kicker. You're already doing it. Uh-huh. You don't have to do anything extra. Right. Like there's no, there's nothing, you don't have to put on a leotard and go to the gym and, or you don't have to go into, you know, the, the um, yoga street. You don't have to do any of that. It's always with you. So it's a, it's the easiest place to start. And it's the key, we call it the key power habit, because once you make a habit of focusing on your breathing, you get your chemistry right. All of a sudden, what happens is this space opens up. It's that reactivity gets lowered. Mm. And then all of a sudden people are like, Oh, I've got breathing room. I can feel the space. And then only then will someone go, maybe I'll try this sleep thing or this circadian rhythm thing, because if that makes me feel even better, how much time am I going to have? And have a look at the link between dopamine and time perception in the brain. It's a very interesting link when you understand that if you've not got the right flow of dopamine happening, then you're going to feel like you have less time. And it's a, it's a perception thing in the brain via a physical release of, you know, neurotransmitters. I mean, that's amazing to think that right. it's all linked in, in how you could show up. So long-winded answer. I think it's that it's just that people don't, they, they just think to themselves, I do not have room for something else. I'll talk one step from there as well, because there's, yes, once you have this space, then, then what are you going to do? Cause you're at a choice point. And quite often you're face to face with that. You have a habit of being angry or you have a habit of not looking after yourself or a habit of, then you start looking at what habits that you have that aren't serving you and you have a choice to break those habits or not. So now that you're feeling better, it's like, do you keep going with these or do you do something better for yourself? Oh, that's a great point. And yeah. The have, space will get filled up yes, really quick with something. Really quick with something. Cause we have, we have, there's a girl in our coaching program where she's this first month, she's committed to a practice and she goes, my body actually doesn't carry the, the drama anymore, but my behavioral steer still carrying the drama, her behavioral habits. So now she's like, I have an opportunity now to break this habit. And it's a whole lot easier now mm. from this new perspective. Mm. That's so good. Let's, let's land this plane. If people want to find out more about you guys, just finally, where can they do so? Breathe.me.com is the best place. And if you're on Facebook, the Breathing Edge Facebook group, there's a lot of high value breathing sessions, content delivery in there as well. Super. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Listeners, thank you for joining us. Uh, If you found this really useful, make sure you check them out, give them some love and uh, leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever else you're listening. We'll make sure we pass those reviews on to Shane and Angie. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast.
Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Listeners, thank you for joining us. Can't wait to bring you another episode of the Grow Your Clinic podcast again really soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to the Grow Your Clinic podcast. To find out more about past episodes or how we can help you, head to www.clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. And please remember to rate and review us on your podcast player of choice. See you on the next episode.